0: What is good everyone? This is your host Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. I'm super pumped. We have a very cool guest. Please meet Dr. Michelle May. She is the founder of Am I Hungry and also the author of Eat What You Love and Love What You Eat. I got it right, Michelle. Got it right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background?
1: I'd love to, you know, I was probably like many women and I think many men in America. I had a long love hate relationship with food. I actually started dieting at a pretty young age, thinking that I needed to control my eating and in order to control my appearance and that devolved into disordered eating. Yeah. I, I ate in, in, you know, sometimes eating whatever I wanted and then sometimes very restrictive and really fell into a yo-yo diet pattern that I now call the eat, repent, repeat cycle. I did it all the way through high school and college into medical school. Oh, wow. And then when I entered my medical school practice, I realized that a lot of my patients were struggling with exactly the same issue. They knew what to do. but they weren't able to do it for a prolonged period of time. And many times they would go from one extreme to the other. So once I finally healed my own relationship with food, I became really passionate about helping others. Mm -hmm. I eventually left my medical practice. And now full-time I teach people how to develop a healthy, joyful relationship with food. And more important to spend their energy living the big vibrant life they really crave.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, you know, before we started recording, um, I think that a lot of people aren't mindful with their eating habits. And um, and I'm sure a lot of your clients that you work with, that there's something else going on that's creating that dysfunction, that dysfunctional relationship with food. And until they actually identify that, and because it's almost like self-soothing, right? When you are eating that way, or just like an alcoholic or, you know, a drug addict or something, someone's using food as a self-soothing mechanism to get through whatever might be bothering them at whatever stage in life, and then it, it just becomes a habit.
1: You know, I, I think that's such an important point. So many people focus on what they're eating and how much they're eating, even when they're eating, but they're not addressing why they're eating in the first place. Now, that's mm-hmm. not to say that everybody who struggles with food has some deep, dark psychological issue with it. Some of us have just learned habits of using food to comfort or distract ourselves or entertain ourselves. And some of us have gotten into this pattern partly because restriction and deprivation in and of itself can create cravings and overeating, which many people don't realize. They think their problem is willpower when in fact, the, the the attempt to constantly control what they're eating backfires for some people. So yeah. I teach people that it's not about being in control, it's about being in charge, which means that you're making choices about what you eat based on how you want to feel and how food affects you and what you're doing and and all of these other things. And so really, it's it's not so much about eating the perfect diet, it's right. really about figuring out what the perfect way to eat is for you as you, as you've apparently figured out for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't deprive myself. So like last night, my boyfriend was over, we spent the night together and, um, you know, we had, I was baking apple turnovers (laughs) at eight 30 at night, (laughs) you know, but like, that's like a one time we haven't seen each other all week. So that's like a one time, like, you know, we'll reward ourselves on a Sunday night, like, Oh, Hey, we're hanging out and we're having fun. And, but, you know, I know how to, you know, just eat the rest of the week. I, I mean, I like eating clean. I, I personally don't, um, I don't like to use food as a way to self-soothe because I just, I feel worse afterwards. So yes,
1: and not only that is when we use food to try to meet all of these other needs, it doesn't work all that well. Yeah. So these other needs go unmet. And so the cravings feel stronger and we're back at the refrigerator again and again. So part of the beautiful thing that I love about this work is that it's not just teaching people how to heal their relationship with food, but it's about teaching them to build a bigger, better toolbox for how to take care of themselves, how to soothe themselves, comfort themselves, entertain themselves, reward themselves so that eventually food takes its proper place, you know, a part of your life and that you can eat apple turnovers if that's what you want to do (laughs) without feeling guilty and ashamed. And also without attempting to use apple turnovers to meet every other need. They don't work that well for that.
0: (laughs) This is true. So when you take on a client um, and you start working with them, what does that process look like?
1: Well, I work with people in a lot of different ways. I do some coaching. I have an online mind fleeting support community and we run retreats currently virtually, but we also okay. run these three-day weekend retreats. I just came off of one. So I'm still a little yeah, because it's so exciting to see people transform. Yeah, But a, an important place to start for most people is to recognize the patterns of eating that have gotten them into difficulties. So we describe- three main patterns, instinctive eating, which is really how all of us are born with this innate ability to know when we're hungry and know when we're full to eat what we love, but not think about food all the time in between. Yeah. The next pattern is overeating where we're eating in response to triggers, whether it's stress or boredom or loneliness or anger or reward, whatever it is. When we realize that the trigger is driving the eating Then we understand why we choose the foods we do, why we eat them the way we do, how much we eat, and how we feel afterwards, as you just referred to a moment ago. Yeah. And then the last eating cycle we explore is called restrictive eating. And for many people, this is dieting, weight loss dieting. It could be restriction for other health reasons. But the important thing here is that it feels restrictive. It's not what you're describing where I prefer to eat clean. I enjoy this. Yeah. I eat an apple turnover if I want. In restrictive eating, you're thinking and talking about food all the time. You're, you're using sure. rules to help you determine what you should eat. It's yeah. all about control. Yeah. So once we have people look at these patterns of eating and start to identify what's been going on for them. What I find for most people, Deanna, is that many people vacillate from overeating, restrictive eating, overeating, restrictive yeah. eating. That's that yo-yo that we yeah. often talk about. And here's the thing, a yo-yo doesn't stop in the middle.
0: No. So
1: people end up going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. Once they recognize that and once they can see that there's not something wrong with them, but this pattern of trying to restrict in order to heal their relationship with food doesn't work. You have to literally get to the roots of what's driving eating and think of a new way or develop a new way to make decisions about eating that aren't based on rigid
0: rules. So the goal is, would you say to get to uh, what your clients for, for you is to get them to be, become instinctual?
1: Well, when I started this work, I thought that was it. Now I realize it's really about being mindful In other words, about eating with intention and attention, eating with Mm -hmm. purpose and awareness. So when when people begin to develop purpose for their eating, uh, for example, my favorite intention for eating is to feel better when I'm done than I did when I started. So I don't want to eat until I'm actually hungry enough to start feeling a little uncomfortable and break away from what I'm doing. Eat, but stop eating at the point where I still feel good, I'm not overly full and sluggish and tired. And so having an intention like that of feeling good really can help guide all of the decisions around eating. And then eating with attention or awareness is really about noticing the food, noticing how it's affecting your body, even engaging with what's happening around you so that you're not just mindlessly putting food in your mouth that you later won't even remember except you realize you're
0: really full and uncomfortable. Yeah. What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempo of Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays came early, not only for you, but for your man here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Also, this awesome refined cologne it smells so sexy my man loves it i love him wearing it especially after he's all clean shaven using the lawnmower 4.0 and trimming those nasty nose hairs and those ear hairs you know you know what i'm saying ladies it's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin hair and balls this holiday season go to manscaped.com and use the code labelfree20 for 20 percent off and free shipping that's right ladies 20 percent off and free shipping with the code label 20 at manscape.com. I've never and I've talked to a lot of different coaches, dietitians. I've never heard anybody you're this you're the first that I've talked to that that just that offers this kind of coaching for for people. It's just very, very important because you you're right and I never I never thought about it because I don't have a bad relationship with food. So, but to be to have like intention and attention Um, yeah, like you said, I, I, there's been times when I've overate and it is the most uncomfortable (laughs) thing and you feel so yucky, like, yes,
1: yes, yes. yes. So people who have a difficult relationship with food feel guilt and shame when that happens. Someone like yourself who has a healthy relationship with food doesn't feel guilty, but you might feel regretful. And when you do that, you can take that information, that regret, and you can use it to help you in future situations. So you don't keep making the same mistake. When people feel guilty about how they ate and how they feel, it actually drives more overeating. Like, well, I've already blown it. I might as well keep eating or, oh, I'm going to go back on my diet tomorrow. So I might as well just finish this off because I won't want to be tempted by it tomorrow. Yeah. And it that's the eat, repent, repeat cycle that I was talking about. When you have a healthy relationship with food, which is what I help people develop, then you can eat whatever. And if you make a mistake, you go, oh, boy, that didn't feel great. Yeah. I wish I hadn't done that. What would I do differently next
0: time? Yeah. Do you So do you find that um, there's a majority of more women or men that struggle with this relationship with food? It's
1: undoubtedly women. Yeah. Um, However, it's very common in men and it's becoming more common. I think it's just that men are less willing to reach out and, and ask for help with it. It seems like it's something that women struggle with. Yeah. What's interesting about it though, is that the way that I approach this, it's very practical. It's very logical. It sounds a little bit, I know kind of woo woo as you and I are talking about it, but the truth is there is a, System to help you rethink your relationship with food, and men when they learn it, they if they just catch right onto it, and it makes a big difference for them. So I love working with men, and I wish more of them would come and ask for the help because once you heal your relationship with food, it creates so much space in your life for everything else you want.
0: Not only that, but like that, let's not 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 negate the health factor. I mean, if someone is having a bad relationship with food it's there's typically they're going to have health problems that come along with that. So once they develop a, a healthier relationship, they, they make better choices and they probably lose, I would assume lose, start losing weight if they're overweight. And, you know, that's just part of the process.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because when I started doing this work over 20 years ago, I thought it was about weight management, but the longer I do this work, the more I realize that weight change might or might not be a side effect and the more i've opened myself we're now a weight neutral or a weight inclusive approach sure. and the more we approach this from hey we're not we're not doing this to change your weight we're doing right. this to to improve your well-being i find now i get people of all sizes smaller to larger bodies who want who really literally want to free their energy up to be able to do the things that they want and feel better. So weight may or may not change. I feel like that's not my business. That's your body's business. All I can do is guide you to make decisions that don't keep backfiring on you like dieting does.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Let's talk about your book really quick. So it's eat what you love, love what you eat. So when did you write your book?
1: Well, I wrote that that original book in 2010, and I have revised it numerous times. I'm always learning and growing and adapting. And so the most, most recent edition was 2020. I took the uh-huh. format of that book, which is the mindful eating cycle, the structure that I was referring to before, and I wrote several other books using exactly that same structure. So we have Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat for Diabetes one for binge eating disorder. I have one for students. I teach at Arizona State University. And so we're taking the same concepts, but adapting them for different audiences who may have slightly different challenges.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I love it. My goodness, I think that is so necessary. So where can, um, before we start wrapping things up and I can let you get back to your day, where can um, the audience find you, find your books, all that good stuff?
1: I think the simplest place is to go to amihungry.com. So A-M-I-H-U-N-G-R-Y.com, the question, am I hungry? And on that homepage, if you look through there, you're going to find several free resources, a mindful eating toolkit to get you started. You can also download the first chapter of Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat for free. And that will give you the mindful eating cycle and help you figure out whether you're struggling with overeating or restrictive eating or both, or whether your pattern is more of an instinctive pattern. Sure. So it's a good place to get started to figure out whether this is even a pro- an, an approach that might be beneficial
0: for you. So you actually, actually just prompted a question for me. So if somebody is instinctual, like myself, mm-hmm. that that doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't need the help to be mindful.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. That's very perceptive. So Um, I also train health and wellness professionals who want to learn how to offer workshops and coaching and programs. And one of the funny things that happens is many of them say, oh my gosh, I thought I had a really healthy relationship with food. I took this training and I realized how much difficulty time I was spending thinking about food and how many restrictive thoughts I had and how much I was using Exercise to pay penance for eating or, or exercise to earn the right to eat. So I think all of us can develop a healthier relationship with food. And I think this approach can really do that no matter where you are along that continuum. I might have
0: to download that first chapter
1: <laughs> and see. Do. And if you love it, just drop me an email. I'll send you a copy. I'd uh-huh. love for you to have it.
0: You're awesome. So before we say goodbye, is there any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave for the audience?
1: Well, I said that the website's called amihungry.com. So here's my advice. The next time you feel like eating, instead of starting to think about what's in the refrigerator or thinking about what you can or can't eat, Just pause for a moment and ask yourself, am I physically hungry? Hmm. Am I physically hungry? In other words, does my body need food or do I just want food? Yeah. That simple question will help guide you inward to figure out whether this is a time that your body needs fuel or maybe your body needs a nap or a break or a walk or a glass of water or something else.
0: Oh, I love that. You're awesome, Michelle. Oh my goodness. Oh, we're going to have to maybe do a follow-up in a couple of months would or something. Love
1: to. I would love to, because this is a really rich topic, and I know yeah. it goes a bit against the grain for what most people are hearing about food and eating, but I don't think what most people are hearing is working all that well, so yeah. I think it's about time that we start looking at it from a different angle.
0: I love it. It's very. I think it's um, uh, very insightful, For definitely, and I think it's necessary with our society. I mean, that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, we've but, got an abundant food environment and a, and a diet and weight-obsessed culture. We are living in a really high-risk time for problems with eating. And so I think it's, it's time that we start looking at how to resolve that.
0: Woo, with that being said, thank you so much for being a guest, Michelle. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label-free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.